Amen. Uh, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time to be together as a family of God. Uh, thank you for the kingdom that we get to be a part of. Um, ultimately, right now, Lord, I pray you help me uh, trust in you to be an instrument of your will, to be uh, a conduit for your purpose and good in this world, God. I pray that we can be uh, filled with your Holy Spirit, moved by your scriptures, powerfully impacted by the word this morning to, uh, to reflect on the grace and humility and love and mercy and everything that it is we have in you in Christ, Lord. I'm so grateful for you. I, I'm so thankful. I love you, God. I give thanks to you and praise to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to do something a little bit different um, this morning. I've, I've actually... I have six pages of notes, and I normally have two. Uh, Reason being is because I've I've more or less scripted what I want to say, so that I say what I mean to say. So, amen. But uh, bear with me. Uh, If I sound a little bit different this morning than I normally do, it's because I'm trying to be careful and respectful and wise in what I say. Amen. Thank you. You know, this morning, all around our nation, our brothers and sisters are coming together to worship. Leaders in many of those places are responding to recent events. I believe that it is important and appropriate to respond as well. You may feel uncomfortable uh, by, by this because of the nature of the events, but I hope that you'll give me an opportunity to explain why I feel that it's important for us to discuss. Some people are hurting, and in a very real way. Over the summer, we didn't mention anything about the racial violence that happened in our country, nor the violence against police in response. Several were fearful and hurting. We were slow to respond because it was such a sensitive issue that we did not want to offend. I regret that decision very much. It left some feeling like their family, their church, their minister didn't care about them or the events that are affecting people like them. Because of the decision not to speak, we, the body, missed an opportunity to comfort and mourn as the body of Christ, as well as an opportunity to discuss how we can help and heal the members of our church and our community, as I believe Jesus would have. What we did, what I did, was continue to preach as if no event had happened. And as I look back, now I realize that was a mistake. Again, people are fearful and hurting. And there are, there are risks not only to the black community and other people of color, but women and immigrants and other minorities as well. We must not ignore these issues. But to do that, our first step must be to plant our feet firmly on Jesus and in his kingdom and prepare to comfort those who mourn. We must prepare to respond with love and hope to the hate and despair that's flourishing in many. Do not be deceived 
that hate is only going to come from the outside or from the other side of the aisle. Because hate is all... We live in this world and hate is coming for us as well. It will be there because we live in the world. It should not be so with us. We must not give in to the temptation to hate, to slander, or to maintain malice of any form in our hearts. For we are the people of God. This means, as the children of God, we are the peacemakers. As Matthew writes in Matthew 5, verse 19, We are the light bringers, as Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We must sing the praises of the good that is in our world. The good of our God as well. We must stand together against hate and violence and strive to bring peace. Where we see the darkness in the world that comes from people's hearts, we must bring love and a light and the light of Christ, being agents of reconciliation and peace. Now, now more than any time in recent history, we are the people of God, we, the people of God, have the opportunity to shine not just like stars in the sky, as we're called to, but we can be the full moon in the radiance that reflects the sun. Shining even brighter at this time. So we as a unified body must come together, understanding how we will move forward. Right? We must consider the scriptures and talk about how they can help us respond to this situation. And so to my family in Christ, and to fellow citizens of God's kingdom, because of the events and current unrest, I thought it appropriate to remind us of a few very important things. Which the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle Peter, said very well, and I think we'll find very ap- applicable to us today. Please turn in your Bibles over to First Peter. I'm going to read many portions of this. Some of it I'll skip uh, sections. But I encourage you, I, I encourage you, I ask you to please go home later and read all of First Peter. Right? And so we'll begin here in First Peter chapter 3, or verse 1, I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is written, Peter addresses this letter, to God's elect, strangers in the world. <clears throat> it says, Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which persists even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Look to 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from the sinful desires which wage a war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing good, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. You know, all of these scriptures I look at, And first and foremost, we must remember who we are and who we serve. Right? When we became disciples of Jesus, we were born into God's kingdom. We were reborn into God's kingdom. Meaning you are now a citizen of God's kingdom. And a foreigner, an alien in this world let alone this nation. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are first and foremost a citizen of God's nation and subject to Jesus as King. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Him. There is no greater authority, there is no greater power than Jesus Christ. And you, you, if you are His and have been reborn into His kingdom, are His treasured possession. This can provide us an immense measure of comfort and faith, no matter the storm that may come. But we must reflect that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Sovereign. Letting the knowledge of the fact of who Jesus is in your life is a way, is the way to find peace. Step off notes. When I have a hard time, when I, I, my best friend reminded me of this actually, that I, I was the one that shared this with him. I would, I would often say, Jesus is a Lord. 
And then I'd start by saying Jesus is Lord. And then I would still feel about the same as I felt. But I'd say it again. And I would reflect on it. And I'd say it again. And I would say it again and again and again. Until what I found in my heart is that Jesus is truly Lord of everything. That He is sovereign over everything that goes on. And the surrender that I find in declaring Him Lord gives me peace. I think that's the peace we all can find. When we have said Jesus is Lord, we must reflect. And so Peter tells us that we are foreigners. Meaning that even though we are in the world, we are not of the world. Our citizenship is elsewhere. If you identify as an American, a Democrat, a Republican, as one race or another, as male or female, more strongly than you identify as a Christian, then I would consider you to, consider, to think about Galatians 3, verse 27, which says, For all who were baptized into Christ have, been clothed, have closed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you identify more strongly than any of those, then you have forgotten who you are and who you serve. Those barriers should not belong in this family. Because we are a part of a kingdom that supersedes the barriers created by this world. Paul goes on to say that we are one family. We must not let the world divide us. Because it's the blood of Christ that has been paid to unite us. If you find any of these things, previously mentioned, dividing you from one another, I encourage you to change your mind. In verse 9, Peter writes that we are the people who have received the mercy and love of God in this world. We must, we must be the people who act as Christ's ambassadors to this world, extending that mercy and love in kind. We must be those who extend that mercy and love in kind. This idea, it says, I have, it said, it should break our hearts that the election of this man is making our fellow citizens and our children fear for their safety. If we understand that we must weep and empathize with someone in depression, even when they appear to have nothing specific to be depressed about, we should get that we need to mourn with those in fear even if we don't fully share their fears. If we see a person struggling and staggering under a heavy load of groceries as they're coming out of the back of a car, hopefully our first instinct isn't to say, that isn't a load they should be carrying. Hopefully, our instinct is to run over, to grab part of that load and help lighten that burden. So it should be with the emotional care of our friends and our family. Our first reaction should be to try to come, to be, to come beside them. 
To lift up our friends to help bear the burden of their grief. To bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ is Galatians 6 verse 2. Perhaps a time will come when we will later discuss some of the underlying assumptions that have created this conflict and grow together in our own understandings and perspectives. Maybe time will show that the worries we have will never come to reality. Or maybe the time will tell that a lack of fear was in fact naive. We don't know. But for now, what is needed is sensitivity and listening and tenderness and compassion and a demonstration of love and genuine concern. Right? We have more hope than the entire world. We must strive to be the peacemakers, church. The peacemakers. Jesus says that the children of God are those who bring peace. Let us be those who bring peace and not division. Loving in and out of the church. As I said, we have more hope than the entire world because we belong to God. We are God's treasured possession. Our hope is in Jesus and should not be in the things of this world. Because of this hope, we strive to be holy. Holy means to be set apart. We rid ourselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like it says in chapter 2, verse 1. Then in verse 12, we're called to live such good lives that though people accuse us of doing wrong, the people of the world will see our lives and praise God. There's little doubt that this will be challenging. What I'm about to say, there's little doubt that this will be challenging for many of us. But to speak ill of anyone, especially with malice in our hearts, is sin. To speak ill and to slander anyone is sin and we're disobeying God. Titus chapter 3 verse 2. Speak ill of no man. Of no person. Right? Slander only breeds more hate. It only breeds more discontentment wherever it appears. Even in our own hearts. We Christians, when we slander, only further breed hate in our hearts where it has no place. We must be careful not to slander and not to hate. But while we choose not to hate... Let us also not resign ourselves to maintaining an air of indifference or becoming apathetic. Saying, I won't hate, but I'm also not going to love. Thinking I won't hate him, I'll just instead not care. That's not what God desires for us. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 says this, I urge then, first of all, that prayer, that requests, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
I'm going to step off the again. But I've seen Christians on Facebook spreading, further spreading the hate. I've had conversations with them. Have you had conversations with them? Are you one of them? I've heard, I've heard the slander and the ill words being spoken. And all it does is breed more hate. And we go, well, they're true. Just because it's true, does it somehow mean that we can still slander? Do we negate that? No, we've got to find that place to go, I'm going to not hate. When we hear it, when you hear it, and you, you hear it at work, you're going to hear it there, you're going to see it in your friends, you're going to see it around. Hopefully we're going to remove it from the church. But when you see it, and you hear someone slandering and talking about the ill things, let's just be clear, of the president-elect of our nation, our goal should not be, yeah, that's horrible, he's a misogynist, xenophobic, racist, da-da-da-da-da. You could, and you, you could, or you could say, you know, I'm really praying for that guy. If you did vote for him or you didn't vote for him, you could say, I did or I didn't, but I'm really praying for them. That shows more love and extends more grace and compassion than to simply agree. It doesn't invalidate what that individual feels, but it lets them know that you're going to bring peace and you're going to bring love and you're going to bring joy because that's what we're called to bring. Right? And so as disciples, we're called to pray for our leaders. God desires them to be saved, and so should we. For you to desire that, though, you have to find a place for love for them. Because that means you're going to spend eternity with them. (laughs) Which some of us wouldn't want to spend five minutes. God desires them to be saved. So should we. Christ died for us and showed us compassion and mercy when we did not deserve it. And in view of that mercy, we too should extend mercy. We should extend compassion. Let's pray for wisdom for our future leader. Let's pray for self-control. Let's pray for humility. Let's pray for empathy in these ways. Consider this. King Saul and David, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, Josiah and Jezebel, Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, Caesar Augustus, Herod, and Emperor Nero. Throughout the Bible and throughout history, we have seen God use all kinds of rulers. Popular and unpopular, young and old, domestic and foreign, godly and very ungodly to achieve his purpose. First Peter was likely written in the time of Emperor Nero. Peter would be martyred in the time of Emperor Nero. At this time, what we see, Nero was the first systematically oppressive leader of Christians. 
He was rumored to dip Christians in oil, put them in his garden at night, and alight them on fire to provide light for his quarters. This is the leader who is leading when Peter writes this next statement. Look in verse 13 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will, it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Share, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the King. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but able to do those, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if you bear up under the pain of unjust suffering, because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, that is commendable before God. This too you were called, because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults, their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Jesus did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Regardless of how you feel, God's word says, honor the king. Honor the leader. It says in verse 17, I would say, honor the office, pray for the man. Honor the office, pray for the man. As I said, some of us will find this very challenging. It is good, it is to God's glory when we act in love, when hate and disdain is so much easier. But it is to God's glory. If you feel like this is a dark time and you're angry and the easiest solution is to check out, please understand that this is the exact opposite of what I think we should do. There is more opportunity for us now as disciples to provide hope for the people that are hurting than any other time in recent history. With the fear and the lack of hope, we bring hope. We bring peace. When there's hate, we bring love. When there's discord, we're going to bring calm. As the disciples of Jesus, these are the things we should bring. 
Does that make sense? This is who we are, church. If we hold ourselves to Christ, this is who we are. Throughout 1 Peter, we see that he is calling us to do good. Let us do just that. Let us do good. Let us trust that Jesus really is our sovereign Lord. Let us comfort one another and those outside of our fellowship. Let's remove hate and malice and slander from our hearts. And from the actions towards everyone. Let us obey God and pray for our leaders. Let us do good that we may bring glory to God. Exalt the mercy of God. Exalt the compassion of Jesus and the example you see from Him. Don't keep the compassion, mercy, or love that you have been given to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. Spread it. Give it. Love. Pour it out onto others and the rest of the world. That is to God's glory. Let go of any hate and malice in your heart. It will only corrupt you, church. Let go of it, if you have it. Let's bring the light and love of Christ to the world. Let's make a point that we be, we be Jesus. Because that is who we are. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we are called to help the world. People are hurting in the church and out of the church. Regardless of you disagree or you agree, our call is to love and bring peace to this world. Let's bring the kingdom, the joy of the kingdom, the hope of the kingdom. Let's shine like lights in the darkness. Let us not run away from doing good because it's hard, but accept the challenge and fight to change and save many through the love and peace and compassion and mercy of Christ. What we're going to do now is I'm going to actually have... I'd like us to take a minute, two minutes, for you just to settle and think upon these things. And then after that, I'm going to actually have Peter come up, and he's going to lead us in prayer, uh, and, and we'll finish out with one final song. But right now, we're going to take just a couple minutes to reflect on these scriptures, to look at this word, and consider what we've heard. Amen.
Let's continue praying, if you'll pray with me. Father, we just, as we reflect uh, on our brother, the Apostle Paul, uh, who was uh, the one who killed Christians, and yet became the man who, uh, much of who we read about Jesus and and his ministry, and he concluded that uh, literally the gospel has been preached to the entire world. And Father, we, we reflect on Jesus, who warned us, that uh, we needed to pray for our enemies because it's easy to pray for those who love us. And he was foretelling, really, that he was going to get killed by his enemies. And yet you raised him to new life, and through him we literally have overcome the world. Father, it's in that spirit of hope and of trust and of confidence in you that we pray uh, for our nation, uh, for the men and women who lead us, Father, we pray you would give us the heart of compassion and of love and of trust in you ultimately uh, to be able to ask your blessings, your guidance, guidance, your spirit on on them, Father. Uh, we, uh, many of us, wouldn't have picked them. And yet, Father, we, we rely that you are the one that chooses exactly where we'll live, exactly what will happen, and is, you are really preparing a path for us to walk in. Father, I pray you, you just it would help those men and women lead our country justly, uh, that you would help uh, people's hearts to be open uh, to the gospel of Jesus. We, Father, you'd use the events uh, in our workplace, uh, in the news, uh, in our families, in our friends, uh, in the kingdom, in the church, Father, to help us uh, to proclaim your message clearly. Father, we pray that many people will be drawn to the, the hope and the peace and the forgiveness that's found only in you, only in Jesus. Father, I pray that we could see many people uh, make the decision to become Christians, uh, not to seek their consolation, their peace, their trust uh, in the things of this world, uh, but by relying on you, by trusting in you, by following you, uh, that they would have a hope that's greater uh, than anything that we read about, anything we hear about in the news. Father, we know that we have heaven to look forward to. And on this this earth, we we have persecutions, we have trouble, we have suffering, and we have confidence, Father, that we're going to be with you one day. Father, thank you just for the things that Mike shared from your word. Father, I pray you just continue to work in our hearts. Help us uh, to see you and to seek to attain the peace, the forgiveness, the love that you have. Father, help us to join you in just the confidence, Father, that we uh, really have overcome the world. Father, we pray that you'd be with uh, us today, this week, and uh, <clears throat> that we would just be able to be your spokesman, that your spirit, your word would dwell in us richly. Father, that you would bring about just miracles around us, Father. We would see uh, things happen and change that we, wouldn't, we couldn't believe would be happening, Father. That you would help us just to see things that are way beyond even our imagination. Yeah. Father, we pray that you would give us the opportunity to call our enemies our brothers in Christ. Father, we could be like the first century Christians and be able to see uh, the men and women who persecute us, uh, who we are tempted to hate and despise. Father, be our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Father, I pray we could be like Jesus as he was on the cross, seeing the very men and women who killed him. Father, who caused him to suffer. And we could be with him and pray for their eternal salvation. 
Father, I pray you could just give us that heart, that spirit of hope, that confidence that your word uh, is not empty. It's not vain. It has incredible power. Father, I pray you would use that power to change our spirits, change our hearts. Help us to have hope and courage and love for people that we despise. Father, help us just to repent. Father, help us to change. Help us to be buoyed, to be lifted up, uh, to keep our eyes on you, Father, because we know that you have overcome the world. And, Father, we want to be obedient disciples of Jesus. We want to be filled with the Spirit. Just thank you for this time together right now that we can encourage one another, that we can be drawn to you, Father, that we can sing and rejoice, Father, in how you'll use us today, this week, and on into eternity to proclaim Jesus, Father, to lift you up uh, as the men and women who trust you. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus. Amen.